0: I'm not like them, I can pretend, I will think I'm dumb, maybe
1: just act, I am All right, hello, hey homies, it's uh, Q, <laughs> and A, and uh, KB. <laughs> K- it sounded like you were
2: talking to the audience, Q, <laughs> I like uh i
1: was i i was talking to the audience but i was i was trying to we don't really have a thing at the beginning we maybe need a thing but i was trying to do like q a and then like kb goes but i didn't really set that up anyway i was like you just kind of trailed off i was
0: like i guess i should say something here yeah we need to come up we need
1: to come up with a little intro thing but anyway um we have KB with us again at Golden Toothed on um, Twitter. Long time friend of Thoughts and Prayers, also the host of Ball Earth Propaganda. And he's in our favorite uh, group chat and really the only one I actively participate in, even though I'm hanging in group no, I'm not in every group chat under the sun, but I am in a few that I just sort of like don't ever look at. But I our, love our group chat
2: group. is literally the only group chat I've ever been invited to. <laughs> Same, and
1: that, and not, I will, want, will, yeah. I love our I love our group chat. We won't we won't dox the name because I think it's a secret between all of us. But <laughs> we have a good group chat. Um. So yeah. So KB, do you uh, do you want to add anything besides uh, the at and the Ball Earth propaganda and anything no, else
2: no that's perfectly good thank you for having me back nice to see you. yeah
1: nice to see you too and ball earth propaganda um is going to be back really soon right next we're week really with
2: a... yeah we're recording again on sunday first time in a, in a couple of months and uh we we got we got we got ammunition we're fully loaded we've got we've got basil and cassandra joining at the same time
1: whoa what do you reckon too much i think it's i think it's gonna be great and we're we're doing an episode with basil soon too where we watch the afghani kardashians which i think will probably be <laughs> yeah. i think it'll be very different than what he talks about with you guys so i'm excited for that you want to know
2: what we're doing with him we're, we're gonna do basil's yeah. top free internet feuds <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, maybe that's five maybe 10 that'll be maybe tough
0: maybe, to narrow maybe, it down yeah, yeah
2: maybe three is <laughs> too, too modest I was like, you could choose, um, you could choose individual feuds with individuals, or feuds with entire factions of the internet. It's totally up to you. Like, <laughs> uh,
1: <buddy. laughs> he's got, he's got to go into depth with his whole thing with all the perfume gays. So I'm hoping for, yeah, that's, that's,
2: yeah, that's gonna be
1: good. I'd love to hear how that went down, but yeah, um, yeah, we're gonna do the, we're gonna do the Afghani Kardashians. We're gonna do a gayer one, but it'll be fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm living in, uh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump right into some like conspiracy head stuff because i'm I'm in NYC and the air is crazy here um it looks insane and it's also extremely cold outside I've been sending you guys pictures of it all day yeah. um like it's like June in New York which is usually like hot muggy eighties I don't know how to transfer that into your system kB no, I do. I adore
2: you.
1: it's hot, oh. it's hot it's hot. <laughs> um and it's it's but it's very cold and i've my i know they're saying it's the canadian wildfires but i have this weird theory because there was all that stuff about like blocking out the sun with weird dust that they just like did a little ex- like the gates foundation or something did a little experimental block out and now they have to come up with a new you know explanation yeah, uh, for it
2: yeah. so is it is it where you are as well? Eh? Is the is the is it? Cold? No,
0: no, it's it's an amazing wow. blue skies, clear, warm day in Chicago. So we <laughs> mm-hmm. didn't make it over here. But it's interesting how these um sort of psyop events always tend to happen in like New York City, or uh or like on the West Coast, you know. Which are both like media epicenters and uh, whatnot.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm obsessed. I will say, like, just in defense of the whatever's going on, I'm obsessed with the way it looks. It looks, <laughs> it looks yeah. sick. Yeah, it looks really cool. Like the sun looks really sick, and everyone looks really cool outside, and everything looks cool. And no one, no one's. I haven't seen any. Besides what happened at my job today where everyone started panicking and passing out masks. But besides that, like everyone on the street is just acting mad chill about it. Like <laughs> so
2: yeah, I like I really enjoy like anomalous events, you know. Like I this this might sound a bit disrespectful or, or inhuman, but I think I would have really like relished to be in New York around nine eleven. I think it would yeah. have the, the vibe descending on the city like that, like that sense of drama and when whenever something stops everything, you know, and all normality is kind of frozen, like it's such an interesting atmosphere, I feel. Mm.
1: Oh, I totally agree. I mean, lots of people talk about their nine eleven stories as a time of like increased vitality and excitement. Mm. Um, I was here during Sandy, which wasn't, you know, quite nine eleven, but it was a you know, like five hundred people died and the city was shut down for like two weeks and that's cool. Uh, yeah yeah 500 you know it's not (laughs) it's not 3000 but um but yeah it felt it felt cool kind of I'm not gonna lie like it felt like my life had like a weird yeah extra vitality like I was surviving something even though I wasn't doing that much you know Even
2: living through a bit like the pandemic you know uh, those those early exciting weeks you know. Mm-hmm. I remember going to um supermarket like a few days before lockdown and, and sent just went in and every shelf was stripped. Like every I was like what like apart from there was wine, you know, which just shows how much <laughs> wine they so it shows how much wine they stock, you know, rather than that. Uh, but it was unpopular, I'm sure it was the first port of call. But it was just empty and it was just such a ghostly like dawn of the dead feel,
1: you know. It's kinda cool. Yeah. Do you guys uh I know you host a podcast called Ball Earth Propaganda. Do you do you guys buy into like do you think it's just wildfires? Yes. Or do you think it's or do you think it's generally there's a chance of some sort of real nefarious bullshit going on? Naturally, uh
2: naturally I'm <laughs> paranoid like like you guys. So you know, you go simple explanations are rarely the true ones, I think. But they must happen occasionally, but it's always worth going to the um fantastical and conspiratorial first I feel yeah even if it's the most th- interesting that's you know that's
1: uh, yeah it's more it's more fun I mean Poolhouse and I have been on this whole kick lately about uh, like how maybe there's like weather wars going on um, <laughs> and China can like send like crazy storms and stuff to the US so like maybe yeah. this is like a weather war even if it is just a big fire in Canada, it's like who's to say that wasn't deliberately set or whatever. Oh, for sure. yeah, and, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. corroborate global
2: warming, you know, you mm-hmm. can bet your ass. Probably.
0: Well, personally, I mean, I just always tend to just believe the official
2: narrative until <laughs> until <breathing laughs> proven yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know what? Do you know what? we had a funny thing here this week where we were like, um, we were being psyoped into thinking we had a heat wave. They were going like heat wave, heat wave, heat wave. And you went on your phone and it, would like, it was like <laughs> sun, you know, through all the day. And outside it was overcast and cold. And we were like, are they literally like, because they... I think last year, last summer, we had a couple of weeks of like glorious sunshine. It was really nice. And they, they broadcast it to the world. Do you remember? We were world news. It was like England is too hot. And the tarmac was supposedly melting on the fucking runways of the airports. So, and I, I I was tweeting about it, like, are they really telling you we're in trouble? It's just hot. Like, it's, it's, you know, it's not even that hot compared to American city in summer. And they made it into a global news event, evidence of uh, the climate crisis. And I felt like they were trying to replicate it. You know, we just have this sort of shit spring, summer weather. And they tried to just gaslight us into thinking it was a heat wave. But it wasn't. I can I can promise you.
1: Yeah, they just make the map red on the... Yeah, fuck, um, fuck, even changing the temperature. Just. Yeah, like the temperature is the same, but they just have the map red red on the on the telly. I'll use some Britishisms. <laughs> on the uh, it,
2: yeah.
1: And then everyone thinks it's, like, really hot. It's interesting that, like, I mean, this is happening at the exact same time as they're kind of rolling out this, like, new, like, cia psyop or not CIA? the sorry. aliens alien, yeah. alien. I, I did take i took some uh valium today so sorry um <laughs> but i like but yeah they're they're rolling out this like alien psyop thing so yeah which,
0: this is like a I, I i haven't even looked that closely into it but it seems like they're trying to distinguish it in a sort of significant way which is like like they're saying that there is it's someone who's an actual, like, government whistleblower saying that these are, like, extraterrestrial, like, objects, right?
1: Yeah, so the story, I read the, just the Guardian article, which is pretty, all the articles kind of said the same thing, which is why I stopped reading them. But this guy who really worked in the intelligence world uh, is whistleblowing and saying that they have intact alien craft. Um, He's never seen it uh, and he's never, uh, he's not involved in that division, but he knows they exist. Um, And now there's like some weird, like vague sort of, like Congress people that are like pressuring the intelligence agencies to release which i find i find even further proof of like the deep state because why why can't congress just be like we're coming in tomorrow and we're looking at everything you know mm. <laughs> like why do they have to like why do they have to put pressure on these people these unelected officials to do anything um so yeah that's that's the whole, that's the extent of it though. that's all he said he said there's definitely intact alien vehicles in the government's possession and that there, it's the information's being illegally withheld from the president and Congress. Which the bigger, the bigger thing to me again should be that like there's an, an unelected entity in our government that can even withhold things from. Congress the other and the thing president.
0: that I noticed about this one is that rather than it being kind of a mainstream media thing story, it's like been all these kind of uh, counter narrative. Like counter narrative, TM people, like uh, what, like Tucker Carlson and RFK Junior. and like those type of people who are kind of running
2: this story. Mm. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I took it as a testament to my like complete disinterest in the mainstream media by the fact that it was like aliens land or alien ship <laughs> and I don't even click. Like I just scroll past it. Like I don't even, I don't even have a look at the fucking text. <laughs> Well, whatever, man. Like, like some crazy person telling you something. Like, I just can't take you seriously. I don't know what you want me to
1: say. No one really gives a shit. Like, no one I've heard is talking about it, like, or anything like that. It doesn't. It doesn't have the, the kind of like thrust of something really big happening. So it's it's weird that I, I don't know what the point of it is or why, um, it's happening. I mean, I, I would be really suspicious of. Like, I believe aliens have, like, visited this planet or whatever. I believe they exist. Um, Who knows what that, like, what that means. But I just, I find the idea that, like, the government is going to, like, really, like, I don't think it'll happen. If if there's broad knowledge of that, it's not going to be from the government, like, telling us what the truth is. It's going to be some, like insane <laughs> undeniable events <laughs> you know like that's witnessed by too many people but there's but there's been a lot of those and it doesn't really change anything there's been lots of events that thousands of people have seen and
2: you know it would be it would be funny if something like that did happen that was kind of unignorable and like governments couldn't mediate it and lie about it like they just had to be like <laughs> yeah this is a thing you know it's an actual authentic thing like they wouldn't know how to do it they would be like Oh, we have no capacity to just broadcast something that's happening. We have to like
1: twist it yeah. in some weird way or something, you know? Right. Yeah, what would be like undeniable? Like, I don't know. Some like unambiguous... independence, like, you know, the whole shadow. Right. You know, yeah. yeah. It's like over every major city in the globe, the giant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying about... to
2: bullshit us, baby. Like, oh, it's global warming. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> 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 it's just
2: it's sheer habit, like, habit of bullshit.
1: It's all China, yeah. China managed to do that. Our um, pal
0: Fitness Feelings has, uh, I mean, he he kind of every time the alien,
2: alien stuff. Alien, he he expects to see the fake alien invasion.
0: Yeah, sure. well, that's his thing. Is that that they're like basically the point of these like micro alien ops is to just like get people more interested and excited in the possibility of aliens and like. The, increasing the yeah, number yeah, of yeah. people who like believe that they exist or whatever you know
2: well I, I always assume if a you know if a fake alien invasion happens and it's all one thing then like day one we'll get like trans rights are human rights or something you know if <laughs> they can't resist it I will have to like emit like the core value proposition of the of uh, the blob you know and um at which or point are the, al- the, the aliens will were... say. like he's really into the aliens but if they start like fucking promoting the trannies <laughs> he's gonna be he's gonna be fucked up like yeah
1: Decision. or what if the aliens are like yes tra- tra- transgenderism is actually a in our planet a, we
2: trans a, kids many millennia ago suicide yeah. way down
1: yeah 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 or they're like it's it's a it's a normal thing throughout all of the universe <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: gender is construct on many planets Many. <laughs> planets <are different. laughs>
1: yeah that would be funny um based
2: yeah. aliens also could be interesting but conversely you know kind of like. Realize- <laughs>
0: Something tells me the aliens aren't going to be
2: very based, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is one's the sun.
1: That would be like a fun, twist. like lib
2: aliens and based aliens <laughs> <out here. laughs> at the same time. Like...
1: Well, one thing I think is funny about it too is I was reading about how, um, like some a lot of these like astrophysicists are like they're probably deeply concerned about our violence, and I'm like, why would they give a fuck? like they're able to fly across the universe. Like what could, what could we, what could we possibly possess that could harm beings that can fly light years, you know? ar fifteen's cute. (laughs) (laughs) We can't even get to the moon, like, you know? So I don't know. I don't think they're scared of us is my, just saying that. No, no, presumably. (laughs) I mean, so my, my assumption is of course,
2: my, my assumption i think i share it with basil i don't think he'll mind me out and him in this fashion is that um if uh if confronted with aliens the go-to like it, it, and they're and they're convincing they're not kind of like crap psyop aliens where you're like what the fuck i can see the strings or you know <laughs> um is uh is that they would be extra dimensional beings rather than extraterrestrial beings it would be some kind of like demonic incursion into our realm and that's like that's like if if you have a religious sensibility that's your that's your kind of uh the protection shield around your your faith i suppose or something you know or it's just your natural assumption
0: yeah and i i'm not religious really but i kind of tend to agree that like if they're like that possibility feels more realistic than me whereas i'm pretty convinced that like the like spaceship aliens beam me up scotty type thing is like pretty much fake <laughs>
2: yeah yeah I so.
1: yeah i definitely think like alternate timelines and and demonic stuff is uh a more likely explanation and, and possibility um i agree with that kb <laughs> because you know i got really into skinwalker ranch that book um did you read it kb or uh-huh okay, well, it was all about this, like, ranch, this family bought in the middle of, like, the Utah, like, desert, anyway, whatever. Long story short, they experienced all this, like, insane kind of, like, alien, demonic shit and they, like, there was lots of Bigfoot sightings and just, like, all this shit. And I, like, kind of, like, I was talking to some of my, like, um, to use a controversial word, schizo friends and they were, like, a lot of the theories about, like, Bigfoot and all this shit is that there's just, like, these are, like, beings that can like move between like the dimensions and like Mm -hmm. that's why you can't ever like find a bigfoot body but you find evidence of them like walking around and anyway whatever my whole point is that i i'm i've been really into reading about instances of of um of stuff like that do
2: you guys ever cover cern on the show you guys ever had a cern chat
1: We've never no, mentioned CERN. Tell no. tell the listeners I, what CERN I is. Know, I, know,
2: I don't know what it is. Like, I mean that's the problem. Like I was hoping you say, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure, and you'd have some received wisdom about it. But it's some kind of like weird particle accelerator, right?
1: Like, yes, it's, in, in Switzerland. It
2: is in Switzerland, which is the spookiest, worst place ever, you know. Yeah. But um it's also uh, and there was there is footage. I mean it's it's Googleable tabloid covered footage of a bunch of like I, cern employees cern affiliated people doing this like heavy occult ritual right in the courtyard and there's like um vishnu i think right the many armed hindu deity there's like a I believe i'm going from memory here so don't hold me to anything um there's like a statue of vishnu if, I, if memory serves correct and they're all doing this like black hooded satanic fucking shit around it it's like it, and it was and, and they, they, there was even an official line from cern it was a joke it was they were just having it they were just having a goof and this uh, <laughs> is how what they do after work and <laughs> they, they all they all someone has a mad idea and they do it. i don't know but um it looked like the spookiest thing ever and just the, like just descriptions of what they're ostensibly doing sounds sounds spooky and strange so um you know, if you ever read about like um, the the sort of occult CIA Church of Satan machinations around San Francisco in the sixties and seventies, right? Like, we kind of bled into that whole men who stare at goats stuff about psychic powers, trying trying to acquire and cultivate psychic powers, but like all of it was all sort of like occult psychedelic exploration, like really really spooky stuff, like just panic shit basically. Where they, you know, I guess the essence of the occult and of Satanism generally, as one understands it, is trying to evoke entities, right? Trying to pull other entities from other dimensions into this one, like. Hmm. Uh, this kind of a. There's a history of it, if you will.
0: Interesting. Was that related to like the Manson stuff or is that different? There's definitely,
2: I mean, yeah, there's, I guess there's all kinds of, you know, slight Mm -hmm. tedious conspiratorial occult historians who who tie it all together. I mean, Mm -hmm. like the counter, I mean, it was definitely tied to the counterculture, right? Mm -hmm. Like the the intelligence agencies, their occult explorations, Mm -hmm. the counterculture blossoming out Mm -hmm. in the same neck of the woods in the same area. But yeah. what is actually going on beneath the surface, I, I, I don't pretend to have an idea about. you, know.
1: because, you know, Yeah, but there's don't... lots of, I mean, where we've, KB, I know you're a McGowan pill. There's lots of evidence of like, uh, you know, that a lot of, the well, Manson and many other ritualistic murders mm. in California during the 60s and 70s, there's tons of evidence that both the victims and the perpetrators were deeply involved in occult practices, um, yeah. including Manson's victims, which, you know, they managed to, you know, say is like the most offensive thing you could say. But there's tons of evidence that Sharon Tate and that whole crew were involved in the process church and involved in all these like, yeah. like satanic yeah. groups in and around L.A. And, um, you know, how much of that was like, we're all super fucked up on drugs and you know like i don't well, know like the it's... drugs
2: were being handed out by the intelligence agencies you know right you know what i mean it all becomes mm-hmm. a bit great. i mean i i take i was gonna say i've taken a lot of drugs and i've never started doing occult rituals but it's almost untrue like there was a period <laughs> there was a period in taking a lot of drugs in my 20s where we started putting like occult symbols on <laughs> the wall for parties and stuff and just 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 dabbling just dabbling a little bit so doing ouija boards some weird ouija board shit. you guys ever done some you ever had some weird ouija board
1: experience yeah no i mean my my uh my my partner is very superstitious doesn't allow us to do uh ouija board stuff but yeah like what before i was with him my friends did ouija board stuff and i i definitely felt like acid for sure lsd I'm sure you've taken a lot of it, KB. I don't know how much of you you've you've taken of it, a but. I've I've never
0: been fond of it, personally.
1: Well, I I I took it probably I don't know. I would say like twice (laughs) a day. (laughs) No, like (laughs) I would say I would say. Let's say conservative estimate. I took it thirty or forty times. Like less conservative uh, uh, estimate, sixty or seventy. So not like. (laughs) not as much as like, I guess, you know, the, the Manson family, but
2: (laughs) twice a day,
0: uh, you've got some experience under, I have some experience,
1: right? They were taking it like they would take it for days and days and days on end. Um, But I will say it breaks down your, your barriers, and it definitely makes you it definitely alters your, your brain chemistry, it makes you more susceptible to like, kind of, you know, weirder, more out there ideas. Yeah, there's there's yeah. no doubt that it does that. I mean, I never participated in, like, a literal cult, but <laughs> I think, you know, AA and I have known each other a long time. I think, you know, we've participated in some maybe cult-like <laughs> activities, you know? Sure, sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> what's, your,
2: what's your weirdest asses story from uh, those 40-odd times, questions?
1: Ah, my weirdest acid story. I guess my weirdest acid story is one time my friend, um, who I'm still friends with, uh, she was kind of like epitome of like poor little rich girl. And she got sent to this like secret, weird boarding school uh, in Texas. That's like a weird mansion in the middle of nowhere. And um, I was tripping on acid at this party and she came and picked me up and she's like, let's go for a drive. And she was like really quiet during the whole drive and like smoking cigarettes. And I was tripping and she wasn't. And she drove me out to the old um, mansion where her school is. It was closed obviously at the time. And she was just telling me all these stories about all the shit that happened there and all the girls that had committed suicide there. Cause this was like a, this was like a weird like a place for like troubled rich girls where they were sort (laughs) of like packed away. And she, that's sort of what had happened to her. Um, And I felt like an intense energy at that place, you know what I mean? Like an intense darkness, like a deeply demonic feeling place. And I was like, who knows what was happening to these girls and who knows who even founded this weird bullshit. Creepy mansion, rich girl, <laughs> you know, like. So that was probably my weirdest experience. I didn't do anything weird, but I just just being there was very weird. What about you, KB? You tell us one. All right. So
2: uh, I, was, uh, <laughs> I was, I was eighteen or nineteen, and uh, my um, as at a university, uh, friends at university. I wasn't at the university, but I knew these people. And uh, one of them I was buying drugs off and whatever. And they were all first years at uni. So they were all living in the, what we call in the UK, the halls of residence, right? I don't know what you call it over there. It's just some, like, apartment. Yeah. Storms,
1: you know. storms or dorms or yeah. whatever.
2: And uh, we went back with them. And there was, like, the guy I bought drugs off, who I knew from buying drugs off, a couple of his friends who I knew through him, and this other guy I kind of half knew randomly. And I thought they were all quite quite good friends. I just assumed so because I went to the same university and whatever. And we were doing a uh, liquid acid, uh, and mm. taking uh, those MGMA, and we'd been at a, a club of like one of those horrible kind of like old genres of music, progressive house. It was progressive <laughs> house, whatever the fuck that is. But it was pretty, pretty uh, striking music if you're doing all of those drugs. Right, mean, we went back to this one of those little rooms in these halls of residence, and there's, there's like five, six people, maybe seven, all tripping, and two of the guys that I kind of half knew, became convinced that one of the guys that I half knew who they'd been given loads of liquid acid and started to, he started to act up a bit. They became convinced that he was um, faking it. He was like a drama student. And this was, the, they were like conspiracy theorists. They were like us, but <laughs> they were like, this guy is faking being on acid. He's trying to fuck with all of our heads. And I was like, no, they were like whispering it to me. I was like, no, no, I don't think so. I think he's, the guy's like kind of getting progressively more spaced out. And I'm like, no, I think he's genuinely done all the acid you get putting on his hand. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> eventually they were like, all right, get out of the room. And they're like, they, it was like dawn, the sun was come up and they like pushed us all out of the room. And we all sort of sat tripping in this horrible, stinking student kitchen, you know, just reeking of washing up, tripping, going, what's going on? And I thought, well, I better go check on him." And I like knocked on the door and they were like beating the shit out of this guy. They were like fucking beating him. Like they just had some like demonhood entered them. Do you know what I mean? And he was so fucked up. He was just lying on his back going, this is amazing. This is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh my God. So I was like, uh, I kind of gathered a couple of the other people and we went through and we were like, yeah, we think this is a a poor decision on your part to uh, beat someone to death because you're convinced he's pretending to be on acid. There's everything about this, this run of events is, uh, is skew if, you know. And we did manage to kind of, we took the guy away and we took, you know, we sat, he was like all bruised up on the staircase. And they they just stalked out looking like they were, you know, like murder. You could see, and I was so high, you know, you could see murder had entered these people. You know, you could see yeah. a, the spirit of a murderer had like descended into them. It was
1: dark. That's my real opinion. violence, yeah. Yeah, violence t-
2: that's not a good combo, yeah.
1: No, I'll I'll we'll t- I'll tell one off the air, but I I have uh one person I know who went really uh, crazy on acid and got involved in like what ended up being like a semi prominent national scandal, <laughs> but I don't want to say it on the air because I think it would lead to like instant doxing. So we can tell you that, we could tell you that off off there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. But yeah, um yeah, it's all it's all very interesting. I mean, we'll see. I feel like with all this stuff, I try not to like come down too hard on like any one side because um I just I until there's more information, it's like so hard um to really give like a, you know, a firm um
0: on the alien stuff, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, 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 the alien the air stuff. Quality
1: right. aliens, whatever.
2: Air, air quality aliens.
1: Air quality aliens. Yeah, yeah, all,
0: yeah. All of that stuff. All of it. So... It does seem like they're trying to sort of bring back, like, little whiffs of lockdown with the, uh, the New York smoke stuff. Like, light light lockdown light sort of yeah
1: that was the immediate response was like everyone was like you should be inside and have masks um before we transition to truckers because i want to get really into that with kb um i do want to say a little little internet moment i want to thank uh dasha for sending me her lost in translation uh (laughs) scar (laughs) show. Uh, shot and uh for for befriending me so um dasha you should come on the pod sometime if you ever hear this we would love to talk about lost in translation with you and various other sofia coppola movies i'll make a watch them so (laughs) (laughs) this is a this is a shot into the deep dark night but i think it's worth i think it's worth mentioning you know so let it let us know um tuck it in at minute 30 yeah yeah tuck it uh, in if one of her friends (laughs) hears it just let her know that big fan send it over so shout you out 30 minutes yeah 30 minutes in um so kb i want to do the your article on the trucker um the whole trucker thing. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask if it's okay with A for you to give even a breakdown of what happened with the trucker convoy because um, I think a lot of people, myself included, were still kind of in sort of really COVID. Well, I January was sort of January twenty two. You were you were still in the no. Box. I guess not. I guess not. January twenty two, but. No, by then it I was, was sort
2: of-, of
0: in the early days, though. I feel like somewhat. I mean, like it, it. We were definitely realized that it was all like an op, but we didn't. We didn't. I don't know. Like I hadn't been able to fully like make sense of well, it. Well, we also
1: it. I think I think a you and I had not immersed ourselves in this corner of Twitter yet.
0: Yes. So yeah.
1: even though even though we no, even though we were no longer following COVID protocols and thought it was stupid at that point, we had not like sunk into this kind of corner of Twitter we've ended up in in like the last year and become cranks so- Bengalis yet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. so I didn't follow the trucker thing as like, oh, this heroic amazing thing that's happening in Canada. I sort of was like, oh, it's another it's another pushback. Like these pushbacks are kind of happening everywhere, but it seems like something like actually genuinely special happened there. And I, and I don't so. Yeah.
2: I, well, I you know, what I think may have made some difference to it is like if you'd been unvaccinated at that point cuz right, going into um winter of uh of, of 2021 it just looked like it was just the 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 noose around you if you wanted to keep your job but stay out not take your toxic double shot you know was was just tightening and tightening and at that point it looked like there's no way we're going to get to the end of the year and it won't have come to some kind of culmination and there was a there was then a pretty good christmas like omicron came you know omicron was released you know hit the charts <laughs> And, uh, and you could, you know, there was all of those Rogan shows and you could just feel like these little chinks in the armor of the narrative starting to appear in the mainstream for the very first time. Um, but it was still can like... You,
1: can you give us just like, a if you don't mind, I, you're, I think you're getting there, but could you give us a breakdown of just like what happened, what prompted the political situation? I don't know if it's easy to do, but if you could give yeah, us like, yeah, a, five, yeah, no, like a five minute, like what right. happened?
2: Yeah. For sure for sure well i was gonna say um how i first experienced it q right how i how it how it hit me first of all right and then i'm I mean, going go into the sort of like the genealogy of the events so then uh 28th of january yeah shit, shit still felt like you know there were still the mandates were still in place all over the, they were creeping in still or they were in place whatever whatever and canada was known. It was Justin Trudeau's like kingdom, right? Like it was his mad kingdom. And if you were unvaccinated or a COVID, quote unquote, dissident or whatever, like you look to Canada and also Australia as these like COVID dystopias, you know. And I think I think Canada was particularly striking, not just because of the the extent of its of its uh, like authoritarian policies, um, but also because Trudeau was such an evidently repulsive. Cynical, awful character. But as I understand it, I mean, it was it. You know, and a big part of that was how Trudeau spoke about the unvaccinated. You know, there were a couple of leaders who used similar phrases, but none as kind of consistently. And enthusiastically, as he did, you know, and really aggressively dehumanizing
0: what did he he said he had a f- couple of famous quotes, like yeah. one something about like we have to decide if we're going to tolerate, we're tolerate the these people
2: yeah yeah, yeah 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 they're they're, so, they're sexist they're mis- you know, they're they're racist, you know there was just this, and there was stuff about there was a speech he did about like i won't we can't let them on public transport endanger our children, you know it was you know and and this was carried out like i don't actually know over full item by item extent of what the uh, the mandates meant if you were unvaccinated, and I think there was some um, it depended somewhat on where you lived in Canada as well. But yeah, there like was the a lot
0: provinces,
2: of yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, the provinces, right? And, and there was, um, but there was like footage of people who they'd go to the pick up their medicine from like a pharmacy inside a supermarket or a mall, and having to be like accompanied to pick up their medicine because they're unvaccinated by a security guard, you know. The, the 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 measures were similar in germany as well i think around that time you know but it was there was you know germany australia canada a couple of other places they were like the paragons of new normal authoritarianism and canada i feel most of all because trudeau was so repulsive and i i, I remember and feel it today you know i don't renounce being repulsed by him at all but I, the, 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 the pitch of hatred that he could stir in you like if you were living under the shadow of that yourself and you wanted to continue to work feed your family not take the shots you knew people who were getting vaccinated etc cetera, etc cetera. it was pretty intense and I think it was shared across everybody who was in that who was in that situation and so on the 28th of January thousands of tr- there was a buildup through the week just a few days before there started to be talk of this and coverage of these these convoys which were forming across canada and you'd see them going you know through the snow under a bridge in a small town and hundreds of people would be on the bridge and they'd be honking their horns and there was a crowdfunder set up to support this then seemingly quite nebulous movement of truckers in canada like it was not quite Clear what was going to happen or what they were going to do, just that there was some popular upsurge and you could donate to it. And I straight up gave a uh, gave a hundred dollars. You know what I mean? And it was like the the best feeling I've ever had in my life. Just it was just like giving someone a hundred dollars to like punch Justin Justin Trudeau in the <laughs> nose. That was what it felt like. You know, just yes, anything you can do with this money to get this guy who who so perfectly embodied what was happening. And then just to um. Insert, I know I'll go into sort of how I found out that it came about for you for convoy, but just to insert my personal story, which is another drug story, I'm afraid to say, (laughs) was was, as I was uh, the night of the 28th, I was out celebrating someone's birthday and I took some mushrooms. And then I came back and I I was taking a a mushroom tincture and I came back and I took like a great fucking swig of mushroom tincture and I was like, oh shit, I took too much. And I, I was really high and I couldn't sleep. It was like midnight. And I went on Twitter and you could just see suddenly it was then, I think it was evening right in in Ottawa and you could just see hundreds and hundreds, thousands of thousands of trucks rolling into the city. They were setting off these fireworks into the air. They were honking their horns. People were out in the street celebrating. And I just, I just knew in that instance that this was the end of all the COVID regimes. Like that, if, if, Canada had somehow reached a point of resistance you know for for one, then everywhere had found a limit a limit had been established had been drawn like symbolically and similarly, I'd never seen a form of like nonviolent protest that I thought was so inspired and so beautiful you know it was you know just just trucks they so they were so harmless, you know fundamentally harmless, yet so unignorable, you know just to just to occupy a city like that and the spirit in which it was obviously happening. So I'm high as fuck, and I'm seeing this, and I'm feeling all of this shit, and I just started to fucking weep. And I just, I wept, and I wept, and I wept. And it wasn't like, I was, it was joy. And it was a sense of like all of the frustration of, co- of the preceding two years, and all of the lies, and all of the irritation of people not being, none of us being able to kind of cohere into a meaningful resistance to it. You know, it was just, seeing this shit happen was so emotional and um and i i just wept through to sunrise in joy with joy you know and the next day i got up and um and uh heard that justin trudeau had literally run from the city you know he he'd fled into hiding in america you know we'd they'd, they'd expelled this evil fucking king you know the evil embodiment and personification of covid and my, my other perception i had at the time was that um because it was such an original event, like, because you'd never seen anything like it, because you'd never seen people meaningfully and in a completely, perfectly nonviolent way organize in such a way as to end something so awful. Because the mandates in Canada, which were oppressing millions of people, fell within within days, you know. Um, I, I was also convinced it was like, it was a religious experience for me to see it. Like, it probably has something to do with the fact I was high when I watched it, but I was like, this feels like some. It felt for all those two years like nothing was on our side, luck or anything else. And, you know, we're up against this in kind of global hegemonic body of like authoritarian biopolitics. And suddenly you saw this thing, which was in kind of inspiration, if you will, that had managed in this completely unpredictable way to just end it or just topple it over. It was just it was the most powerful thing I'd ever seen in my life, which is why Months and months later, I wanted to find out where it had, der- how it had derived and what had happened. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because Cassandra said similar things about it and, and that just wasn't my experience of it. So it's, was that your experience of it in any way, shape or form? Eh?
0: Yeah, no, I was following it and I, I was definitely um, thought it was a good thing. But yeah, I just didn't, I didn't. I didn't fully understand how significant it I it was until I actually saw that it, like, within a month, like, the mandates had gone away everywhere. Like, Chicago had a vaccine pass that they had actually just rolled out. Chicago was kind of late to that compared to, like, New York. So, it, they had just started it in, like, the December before, mm. December 2021, and then by by whatever, February, it was over, so...
2: Yeah. And I, I and I, I do feel like, you know, may, maybe a lot of countries and maybe all countries to some extent would have clung on to COVID policies more firmly if it wasn't for this yeah. event. And even if it was more is a, a symbol, like I think it scared them to see that people could unify in this way and resist them in this way. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really interesting symbolic precedent, you know, and the fact they were they were truckers, you know, they were working class people and it was incredibly cold. And what happened in the subsequent weeks? You know, it built up to them being kind of violently, um, uh, kind of kicked out of Ottawa and, and and broken up as a as a protest. And people have their bank accounts frozen. Famously, there were all these mm-hmm. kind of like nouveau authoritarian measures experimented and rolled out.
0: Well, they passed a major law in Canada, right? That like a, a similar oh, they, to like they, the, they the,
2: the emergence, yeah, exactly. exactly, yeah, 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 the yeah. yeah. mm-hmm. kind of. National crises, you know, just so mm-hmm. they could get away with doing anything to people. With
0: so the, the right. basically, the government can just mass freeze bank accounts, you know, yeah, they, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, as long yeah. as they yeah. declare an emergency. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah can yeah. I ask a? Can I ask a like maybe like a, just? I'm not saying I'm. It's, I just want to ask a tough like maybe skeptic's question. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. how do we know like the you know the Canadian version of the feds like wasn't involved in some? I don't know. Like, is there any reason there would have been?
2: Well, that's that's a good question. And so, I mean, so I had this like, you know, so I have this massive emotional fucking connection to this event. So I wanted to write something about it and do something about it at some point, which I started doing like a couple of months ago and published this article for Critic last week. Um, And one of the things you you noticed was among the truckers themselves, and um, there was a lot of skepticism about this kind of Politburo that had formed to represent the truckers so Tamara Lich is the most famous she's kind of like the public face of the truckers and some of these I'm not I I won't get into kind of like slinging mud at people because I I'm not an expert on it there are there are ostensibly some funny political connections etc among some of the people who were the, the the main public representatives of the truckers now what I would say is although those people were involved quite early um if you look at the event itself and you witnessed it in real time, um, they were like nowhere to be seen. Do you know what I mean? It was the presence mm. of thousands of trucks in the city, you know, and the wonderful, wonderful scenes, which were so authentic of real working class men and women just in their fucking body warmers, walking the streets of Ottawa and the palpable panic of the establishment in Canada and around the world, I think about it, you know, they were freezing the, um, the crowd funders that I, and so many people gave to you know they were they were bringing me the, they were doing i i that that the makes me do, it does make me believe in the fundamental authenticity of the central mm. spectacle. now could it have been that it's been co-opted could ops and people have insinuated themselves particularly in the aftermath of it to to play out a kind of a more controlled narrative absolutely it could and you know one thing i, I did notice is i before i started writing about it when I started to look into what the aftermath and legacy of it was at that present time, is that there was a lot of cynicism around it and there were people speculating about what it might have been. My conviction, and it's not a fact, right, is that there was, I actually tweeted when it happened, I feel like I'm seeing the first not a psyop thing in my life. Do you know what I mean? And so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, anyone who um, is a host, hostile to a conspiracy theory is obviously attached to that reality. Do you know what I mean? In some emotional way in the first place. And I, I, I definitely am right to the, to the, to the truckers, but I don't, I don't dispel the possibility of something like uh, uh, kind of, you know, deeply nefarious going on behind it. And I think there were elements of it without a doubt, but I do think it was authentic. And one of the things I was able to find out. So when I was researching, when I I decided initially, I was going to just try and write like a proper full history of it because I didn't know anyone had. And then I found out that a guy called BJ Dictor, um, had re- he was their communications officer. Um, he'd been brought in very early, around the time the crowdfunder was first set up, and then he'd been on this kind of po- in this Politburo himself, and he'd written this nice first-hand account. I think it's called Honking for Freedom. If you're interested in the um, in the in the series of events, you can check it out. And he's BJ is actually, you know, he's a, he's a long-time kind of political dissident in Canada. He was trucking at the time as a sideline, which is quite poetic, you know. <laughs> he's brought in by these kind of political actors and he's a really nice geezer it's a nice book but he was kind of he said to me and he's evinced in his more recent writings that he's a little skeptical even about seemingly by the sounds of it some of the people he worked with in the convoy you know so he's not he's not naive about it if you know what i mean and the very fact that he's willing to entertain concerns you know at least in conversation right indicates that he's you know, you could you could preclude him from suspicion of this kind of thing himself. But in his book, one of the things he he isolates is that the actual convoy, the first person to have this idea was a Canadian trucker and grandma called Bridget Belton. And he just has a few hundred words on her. She, she was a woman who was trucking, who'd been really, really, who was unvaccinated, who was really, really frustrated by the political climate and all of the like COVID oppression she was living through. And she, um she basically one day has this, she turns to her husband and says, we need a convoy. She was following a few big TikTok accounts of discontented truckers starts just posting convoy, 2020 convoy, 2020, this is December of 2021. And it was her who first had the idea. It was her who first, started to promote the idea, and she managed to pull a couple of influences into it. And then it just seemed to gather this huge groundswell of trucker online support. You know, they just, people just started doing it. And not only does that, that makes me feel for the central authenticity of the event in a couple of ways. One is that she's clearly authentic, because I've sat and spoke to her for a couple of hours. To this day, she has like 400 and something Twitter followers, and um, and she told me about why she had the idea what she'd been through and, and what happened in the in the build up to it the other thing is just like even if a deep state could kind of come up with an idea like this the idea of being able to pull so many people together in this spontaneous grassroots kind of protest it's never been done before it's never been done anywhere you know you can't manipulate people into doing that i feel it would be too it would be too big it would be too high a bet do you know what I mean? That that was going to have any outcome whatsoever. Um, I do think that the 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 convoy had its kind of public face, and I think the crowdfunders are connected to that. I think this central committee of leaders are are a bit are a bit funny, a bit, a bit mainstream, a bit media centered. But I feel like the fundamental event, you know, the trucks, the truckers themselves, the origin of the idea, it has a it has an authenticity that you can you can trace from its inception.
0: Yeah. And I, I agree with all that. And I, I, I wasn't sure about this too. Like, I I mean, especially or like I just became so black pilled on everything. I was like, what if, the, you know, it's just all, um, and I wondered that about the Dutch farmers and stuff too. But yeah. I think, um, there is some, like, I think just like at, at a core level, the reason that it was able to be effective is because they kind of found like a legitimate sort of weak spot in the regime where, like, they had these truckers had leverage because they could just like hold, grind the whole economy to a halt, and they, you know, and I think that's also why you see a lot of stuff about trying to get like um, self-driving trucks and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's
2: the poetic <laughs> things about it, I think. Uh-huh. Right? The opposite of automation, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah last phrase of human industry or something
0: yeah and um and yeah i guess also too it was like uh, i think in in response to a canada imposing a vaccine mandate on canadian truckers Mm -hmm. who crossed the american or the american border and in i think that just kind of set it off because And I think even like actually the vast majority of the truckers were vaccinated already and they were just trying to like bring down the hammer to get that last group that wasn't yet. And it's like these people are spending their whole day alone in their truck. How, you know, like how are they spread a risk for spreading COVID or what, you know, just like. Was so absurd and uh, yeah,
2: yeah. That's so I a, could, uh, yeah. I should have mentioned that, that what what had happened to precipitate the trucker uprising was that Trudeau had brought in some arrive can app on the phone for the truckers had to register their vaccination status and I believe they could have crossed the border still, but if you weren't vaccinated, you would have to go into like weeks and weeks of confinement mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, meaning you couldn't do your job effectively. So it was a de facto trucking okay. man, I think specifically. But um, yeah, no, and um, I have what I was going to say again.
0: Okay. <laughs> um Well, yeah, and so I, one thing that I thought was interesting about your piece, and that is also relevant to what we're talking about, is um, the central kind of uh character or you know individual that's the focus of your feature i forget her name bridget, bridget something
2: bridget Bridget belton
0: yeah yeah bridget belton um that she kind of described how she was initially involved in kind of the organizing of it but then throughout the process kind of got yeah. sidelined by yeah. other factions or whatever
2: yeah you know and and bridget if you talk to her is quite is quite sceptical, I feel. we didn't. I didn't really go into it. Like, I didn't want to, you know, it would be too big a job to really establish whether some, you know, who was and wasn't a likely op or otherwise, you know. And I didn't want to just sort of sling a load of mud. So I wanted to just sort of celebrate what I saw as authentic and good about the, the trucker protest. But I feel like Bridget is also, has a pretty healthy scepticism of, of some of the people she worked with and what their motives were and maybe it's just that their motives were sort of like political and narcissistic or financial in some cases, you know, or maybe they were infiltrators. I mean, who there, who knows probably were right. But um, yeah, she, she, she was just like, she is just, you know, like a, a, a working class woman who didn't want to wear a mask first of all, ever it just made her feel like she was suffocating and dying. She just loathed it and subsequently didn't want to, uh, um, didn't want to take the shots. You know, and was also sick with 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 the Canada that she was living in. You know, as being a completely unrecognizable sort of loathsome country. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, so uh, yeah, as as I say, she's just a, she kind of just emanates authenticity. I mean, when I, I interviewed her on FaceTime for a few hours, she sat in the cab of her truck with snowflakes kind of swirling around outside a window, just smoking fags in a big red body warmer. <laughs> you know what I mean? and uh smoking cigarettes actually, I don't know, actually. <laughs> and, uh, excuse me and uh and it, and it and it was it was it was nice to sort of like touch base with its root you know because i for me like i I genuinely i would like to genuinely entertain the possibility that um it was divinely inspired you know that, 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 that there was a limit to the that something wanted to limit the um the kind of totalitarian aspirations of the global covidian state you know something was on our side uh, you know outside of our uh, outside of our perception and um and the idea that uh, she would be the person it was given to to carry this idea into the world really appealed to me as well you know
0: interesting yeah no um it's it's a really great piece and what it's it's in the critic
2: yeah, it's in the
1: critic, uh, and it's your first. It's your first piece you're publishing as an anon. No,
2: no, I, I, I wrote three pieces about the UK and COVID for the Off Guardian, also, okay. on, yeah, also in the KB. He
0: but came a, on like, our like, show
2: to for. talk. I got a big, uh, yeah, yeah, I was, and, <laughs> and I got, uh, I got, but I got paid for this one. You know, big money, oh, nice. but you better believe it. That was really <laughs> pathetic, but you know, <laughs> but um. And uh you know, I left out, I left out the tears and the the mushrooms though. Like I just said, I was looking at it on my phone. <laughs> I
0: noticed that because I knew that story already, <laughs> exactly. and I was like, "Oh, he didn't mention he was tripping balls."
2: No, that's an exclusive. It was in the draft, and then I was like, "I was like, look, the mush- mushrooms are a bit naff It's not the sixties. Not- you can't be wanging on about how high, how high you are." So I put that out the piece. and then uh I still had the tears. I still had the tears, and my missus was like, "Look, it looks a bit fucking pathetic, doesn't it?" You Crying your back, yeah. so I was like, "I remove that as well." I know I don't even recognize the fucking finished, published piece. But I'm
1: glad you're. I'm glad your hot fascist wife keeps you. A <laughs> hot wife. keeps you looking um manly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess what I find like inspirational about all of it is just you know, even today experiencing this event. Where so many people so quickly <laughs> <laughs> fell immediately back into this panic state. You know what I mean? Like everyone yeah, thinks yeah, you have yeah. to have a mask on. Everyone thinks school should be canceled. I have a pregnant friend who refused to go outside, and I'm I not
2: school day.
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just it was interesting to see like we're like an hour in like to this thing or whatever to a couple hours in no one you know the information is not like if you walk outside you'll die that's not what anyone was (laughs) saying (laughs) you know it was like maybe spend a little less time outside than you would normally um and it was just it was interesting to see how quickly people panic and I guess what I find inspirational about the trucker thing is I'm just hoping that I think there's always going to be a contingent of the population, I'd like to imagine, it's as little as 10%, who are going to uh, continue their lives in a state of perpetual panic. They're hypochondriacs. They have anxiety disorders. They're going to jump into any last, and I don't have, like, no empathy for these people. Like, you know, I've suffered from serious anxiety. I've, I've been to treatment for OCD, like, whatever. Like, I, I get it. But I think part of overcoming these things is recognizing your delusions and <laughs> <laughs> not trying to um, apply your delusions to others, right? Mm-hmm. So my empathy stops when these people, instead of working on their own delusions, begin to attempt to authoritarianly uh, you know, apply their delusions to everyone else. At the same time, um, which could be said for the much of the trans stuff too, mm-hmm. um, even though I'm more of a moderate in our general friend group about that. <laughs> I I do recognize. The I don't think. Trans, yeah, I don't think trans. <laughs> no, I, I don't think. Was, uh, I don't. I don't think trans women are women. I have some empathy for people who feel whatever you want to call it, gender dysphoria. But I I don't. I don't literally believe the insane delusion that trans women are women. They're not. Um, so anyway, my point is I'm rambling a little bit because of my value. But my point is, is that he there's once this- again,
2: asserted his, his moderation in the transit. So I think he's he done this before i
1: I'm just saying there's this 10% of people that are going to believe the delusions. And then I think there's this massive, middle group of people, like the 80% that are sort of going to like do what they, whatever they feel like they need to do to kind of get by, especially people with kids, especially people with kids in school and all this crap. Like you just have to like get through your fucking day. Right. But I like thinking of the truckers and people like them as this 10% that hopefully will always exist. That will, push back right and so I'm hoping that creates some sort of equilibrium in the culture because I don't think we're going to eradicate as much as Basil would love it for all the (laughs) the bottom 10% delusional people to be put into you know re-education camps I don't think that's likely so I think I think that I'm hoping people like the truckers serve as a counterweight to this bottom delusional 10% that I think will cling to these delusions until their death at a likely natural lifespan age of some disease, they find incredibly, incredibly tragic. They die. They're dying. If the for vaccines them. don't get them first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I think. Um, I think that's what you have to celebrate about any show of uh, of, of resistance during COVID is that everyone who didn't do something was 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 making a demonstration of uh, of of the limits of people's obedience you know mm-hmm. and and that that you would hope the limits for future plans and aspirations of our beloved rulers yeah
0: once i yeah. St- once i like was black pilled on the covid situation, I stopped wearing a mask and it felt amazing, honestly, and I right. feel like you did feel like i don't know like it was shedding a light on something mm. you know just like showing like oh like you don't
2: you don't have to do that you know <laughs> i would tell you a funny thing about the masks is i was thinking today right like so because i was following the alternative media for years right but in in january of 2020 i like anybody who was you know doing so i was aware of this 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 virus in china and you know often you found people taking it seriously in the alternative media the earliest right it's the irony I and mean, within a few weeks they'd completely flipped and i was like among them and i like we did our like toilet paper shopping super early et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and um and i i'm pretty sure right i i reckon i got a credible claim to be the first person on the london underground going to work in in january of 2020 to cover their mouth and nose with something it was just my scarf right but i was reading about this virus i am thinking, well i'm in london so it's all gonna it's all gonna slosh around here if it comes and it's gonna slosh around on the tube even more it just feels like this kind of super kind of uh contagious space just psychologically right so i'm sat on the fucking tube coming home from work one day i was like grossed out by the thought of this chinese virus and i tied my scarf around my face and um and I probably looked ridiculous, and no, no other fucker was doing it in the city. And subsequently, within a few weeks, you could see the mortality rate was fine. You you started to suspect the um the uh, the people photographed dying on the streets in China were bogus. And if you were conspiratorially inclined, you were you were all in on your skepticism. And I never wore a mask again, give or take, other than you know a couple of times in the hospital. You know, I would even walking my kids to school you'd have to go into the grounds of the school and they had a ridiculous like one-way system (laughs) around the grounds you know and it's outdoors but everyone had to the second you were through the gate you had to wear the mask even did you
1: um but wait i have one question just because you had a baby in the pandemic did you did was you not being vaccinated an issue with being in the room with your wife and things like that or no it was
2: uh it was it was all right um it was okay it was in it was like in the first third or half of the, of the first half of the year yeah. of 2022. And, uh, and actually they were more chilled about you having your mask on stupidly or under your nose or, or not at all than your average supermarket was, you know, which huh. was, uh, which was ironic.
1: Did either, you, both of you had babies in the pandemic. Did either of your wives have to wear a mask while giving labor? Or did they not do that?
2: Yeah. I, I think mine had one on during her cesarean.
1: Yeah, <gasps> I don't wow. think my wife did, but
2: yeah, I I had to do it the whole. You time. had one on,
1: yeah. Interesting.
2: We had done. We had the funny thing about mm-hmm. one thing that did happen, which was indicative of the times when we have a baby, was <laughs> I was in there for like an hour and a half after the the C section, and then they were like, "Right, you got a bugger off now," you know. And I, it was just like it was in the morning when we had it as well. So just like doing a half day at work or something. I was like just. Um, <laughs> out on the (laughs) town just what am i gonna do now i've got a baby in there and i can't even just like sit and get my wife a glass of water and whatever you know it's really weird Uh.
1: weird. god yeah and then it's you know the i think another thing that i i I think the thing that still shocks me about people like i talked to a friend yesterday whose husband just got covid and, and neither of them have ever tested positive for covid um until this time i guess and I was like, um, of course they like dramatically isolated from each other and she, like in separate homes. Um, and she was like, oh, I'm gonna have to go get my my fifth booster. I have to talk to my doctor about that. And I was like, why? why? And I, I did push back a <laughs> tiny bit. I was like, why would you get a fifth booster? And she was like, well, you know, like it's going around again. And I'm like, well, it's gonna go around for the rest of our lives um, and the boosters, didn't your your husband had four boosters and he still got covid and you said he got pretty sick and he got sick every time he got a booster so now he's been sick five times you know what i mean like so i'm like i'm like why i'm like you should really like do some research because the you know it doesn't prevent transmission it's kind of a pointless thing to get and i I don't know if i moved her or not but I, i like i was like it's at least worth mentioning but it's interesting because so many people are still clinging to the narrative even after like China, which was like the last country with zero covid, they opened up and covid just poured in. <laughs> you no, know what I mean? No, like no. so it was like it's so funny that even after the final country you could point to, like there's one final super authoritarian country that managed to kind of keep covid essentially out of its borders, but eventually they had to stop and then everyone got covid there, you know. So. We
2: had um, a friend of ours uh <laughs> Lib couple we know, um just have this, they're married for years and years and years, and the, the wife just found out that the husband has been having an affair for like five years, and it all came to, came to light, and it you know they're you know I don't know if the marriage will survive or not, but it's very sad stuff, right? But um, my wife was talking to her just today, and uh, she was like. Uh, what did they do during? We were like, kind of wondering. I think she was wondering or they're discussing how he pulled it off, how he how he had this kind of other woman for so long because they were always together. You know, So what happened during COVID? She said, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see her." You know, for, for months. She, she was like, "Well, I'm glad he, I'm glad he didn't break the bubble. I would have been really upset by that." So uh, oh, took some uh, lib solace from the fact that uh, he's a. Uh,
1: your husband's already fucking someone else giving you god knows what you know stds and stuff but you're you're so happy that he didn't break the covid bubble jesus yeah i don't know man i don't I'm, (laughs) i'm worried about the alien invasion mostly because i'm like if they do a fake alien invasion and there is some crazy like we all have to stay inside shit. It's just going to drive me, you know, absolutely insane.
2: Truckers versus aliens. That's like a, kind of a good,
1: got a good B movie flavor to it. <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 I think we're, final...
0: I think we're still a ways away from the alien invasion. If I had yeah, to. Guess. I do. I do.
2: It's a drip drip. Alien invasion. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, I
1: have a, I have a fun possible like final topic to kind of push us toward our hour and a half mark. We've kind of aimed for, do we want to talk about why we think uh, our David Moulton tweeted and got the whole group chat talking about why uh, uh, slurs are good for society? What <laughs> was this I, thought, Wait, I may
2: have, I may have missed the original text.
1: Well, I thought I, his, his original, David's original tweet was that yeah, um, it was kind of like, yeah, i people or people ahead. making racist jokes to each other is actually i think this is what he said is actually a sign that race relations are going well yeah I agree. because there's a lot of comfort and it kind of can go all directions right like everyone can sort of like and like when i think about it when i think about situations i've been in like i worked in a job once where i was like pretty much the only white person working at the job right and I, I knew that everything was cool between me and everyone else <laughs> when I could make jokes about like black people and they could make jokes about white people to me. And I knew that that, was, I, I knew that we had reached a healthy, you know what I mean? Like there wasn't tension anymore. It was mm-hmm. a way to like break the tension between this like obvious difference that we had. Like one of the funniest ones I remember is um, my friend was like, I have to go. I have to go sit with the black people at lunch today. I can't sit with you. And I was like, "Why?" And she's like, "Because Bobby Brown uh, did an interview last night." And I was like, "Who?" And she was <laughs> like, "Oh my god." She's like, "Every black person in New York was watching Bobby Brown last night. Like, we all have to go sit there." And she's like, "You can come, but like, don't insert yourself in the conversation." But like, it was like things like that. Like, we were able to like address it. You know what I mean? Sure. We weren't just like tiptoeing around the like yeah. cultural yeah. differences. Anyway, that was his point. And he I think said, it's a... he
0: said, I have it here. He said, okay. I don't think you can ever reach the pinnacle of true friendship unless you're willing to make highly offensive, racist and or homophobic jokes about each other. For this reason, wokeness feels like a war on human connection as such. It precludes the possibility of friendship.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I, I feel agree. I feel like on our chat that you mentioned at the top of the episode, mm-hmm. like one of the like refreshing things about it is 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 a few straight guys and a few gay guys as well as Cassandra.
1: <laughs> and um and Tucker and Tucker, of course, as
2: well. yeah, yeah. And uh, and everybody like talks constantly and completely transparently and makes a lot of jokes about sexuality. And I think at this point, and that's probably something that we've lost most significantly, is the ability to even like communicate across the sort of sexuality divide, like uh due to oversensitivity and neurosis, you know? And I I, I don't know if you, you could, even just the possibility of being transparent about like your prejudices or making jokes. Like I do think that precludes a uh, genuine friendship between people who are different, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, like I think like male, I mean, to the extent, I the only male female friendships that I've ever seen exist, cause I think they're difficult. I do think they're difficult straight men and straight women because I hate to break it I not to disparage straight men but typically at some point the straight guy makes some sort of <laughs> advance of some kind um i mean maybe maybe married straight guys can do it because they're locked down but like when when it's like a single straight guy and a single straight woman it's there's always a there's always a moment where something could potentially happen and every woman i know has said that this is true they're like they will eventually make a pass. Like, it's gonna happen. (laughs) But I think one of the things that makes it, you know, easier to have those friendships like that, even just men and women, is, like, if everyone can sort of, like, openly joke about things like that, right? Like, openly joke about sexual tension or openly joke about, like, maybe some, like, misogynistic thoughts, like, the guy has or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I think those are, like, the health... That's the only way to, like kind of have, you know, and I feel the same way with being a gay person. Uh, Well, I don't identify as gay anymore, as I said in the chat, but being someone who sleeps with men or a man um, and uh, hanging out with straight people, it's, like, better to make fun of the whole thing, you know? Yeah. It's better. It's better.
0: People think that, like, if you're making a joke about, you know, it's like... just because you make a joke about like whatever gay guys or Mexicans or whatever, like doesn't mean you like hate those people or look at that. You know, it's just that, that's such a black and white interpretation of, you know, it's just it's almost to me, I view it almost like the weather or sports or something. It's just kind of like low hanging fruit that everyone can kind of relate to a little bit and just kind of eases uh you know, uh, feeling of like conviviality or whatever, you know?
1: Yeah, and you got to be able to like take it and give it. Like, mm-hmm. I make fun of A a lot of times for being a Jew, <laughs> you know? Like, you have to like, you have to be able to like give it back and forth, you know? Like, it's like there shouldn't be off limit like topics. That's one thing I appreciate about Basil too. It's like he gives it so hard, <laughs> but like he doesn't care if someone calls him like a fat Afghani, you know, (laughs) it doesn't bother him. He thinks it's, he thinks it's funny, you know? Uh, uh,
2: uh, Is there that kind of like um, lib ban over there on like asking people where they're from? Like for me, yes, it's a, kind of, a, yeah. A classic example of this, and it, uh-huh. its something that's there to like dry up conversation, right? Like in you know, a city like London, like everyone's from somewhere else, is but it's the go-to weather conversation, you know? Like, mm-hmm. where are you from? And and Libs have literally stopped saying it. And Libs are already quite bad at like making friends outside of their like ethnic and class and ideological circle, right? Like that's kind of how they're defined—is with this kind of a deep kind of um, introspection socially and now they can't even talk to anybody like because they're so terrified like they can't even like fucking say oh you might
0: breathe on them and kill their grandma
2: someone's fucking from Uganda I mean you're gonna ask where they're fucking from like just pretend they're English or something or pretend they're not black it's
1: bizarre you know it's so stupid it's especially stupid living like working where I work because I work in lower Manhattan and like you know, tons of the white people I run across aren't from America or New York and they're white. You know, there's lots of Brits. There's lots of other (laughs) European people. So it's like, it's funny too, because it's like, it's like, oh, you're assuming because I'm not white, I'm not American. And I'm like, no, I'm just assuming, (laughs) I I live in an area where many people are not American. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't well, know. It's I a, you're you're asking a warm, friendly question and trying to get to know someone. It's not like you're being like, "We don't take kindly to foreigners
2: around <laughs> yeah. here," or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. We don't like them, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think one thing that it's it's good too is it like it kind of like, and I, I I became such a grinch, such a scold. Um, I'm sure I even like have you know in my way 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 long ago lib days like scolded a and stuff like that Um, and it's like and it it sucked because I think back about how I used to be so politically incorrect and that's what people thought was really funny about me (laughs) and then when I got like super woke pilled I was just like an annoying scold (laughs) you know and it was like and it's sad because it's like it's it's just you're not as funny and it, it is funny to it is funny to make fun of like differences and i've never seen a liberal make like a good joke like hannah gadsby it's like now it's like now liberal comedy is like a fat lesbian crying on stage like that's yeah that's their that's their version of like a comedy show, you yeah. know. I might make it over. I might make it over to the Picasso thing she did because I just want, or they did, excuse me, because I just, I just, because I just because I just want to see the, um, I want to see what it is and maybe like talk about it on the pod because it's like I can't even imagine. I'm like, Hannah Gadsby is doing a Sackler family funded Picasso exhibit in Brooklyn. <laughs> i can't believe you're planning to subject yourself to that i mean it just seems like something i sort of have to have to see uh,
2: (laughs) in in america is it still quite common for people who aren't white to joke to you and ask you about being white like we we had a, a neighbor african neighbor and she was like why are white people so awful You know, she's being funny. She's a nice lady, you know, but just, you know, no, it was white women. Wow, white women are so awful. And, you know, like she meant libs. Do you know what I mean? She meant sniffy libs who won't ask you where she's from and just look tense and don't really want to know her because she's not fucking middle class. Well,
1: I would, as someone who has worked in a few environments where, again, I was one of a few white people, I will say there's two types. There's like the jokes that are really just like woke, scoldy type jokes you know what i mean yeah that don't feel good spirited or whatever but then there's like if you're actually close with someone and you have become friendly then they'll do very funny jokes about white people which is actually and it's interesting that you know other people i I don't know it's fun to see what your culture is perceived as from an outsider like i remember i had this hilarious conversation with a, a black friend of mine where she was like we were in a meeting and like our boss was like talking about how she had to fire her au pair and she was like what the fuck is an au pair <laughs> and I was like trying to ex- I was trying to explain it to her and she's like so an au pair is like a white slave and I was like
2: Not necessarily I was like white. <laughs> I was like it kind of is like a white slave I mean I was like
1: I was like that is kind of a good description of it you know yeah. But it was funny to see a that Polish like, slave, <laughs> yeah, a Polish slave. It was just funny. It was. It's like funny to see yeah. what they, you know, what they think of, like, yeah, like. To, it's fun to see your culture observed from people not within your specific culture. Is there I,
2: is there a um, generalization about white people in America by non white people? But we're all pedophiles. We ever heard that one? I haven't heard, heard, heard it. You know. I've heard that from a from a from a you know couple of. Uh, black people in London.
1: I've know. heard the the jokes I've heard about white people are typically oh, very like, nice
2: generalization. You know, we could we could do it with a more flattering one, to be honest. With
1: you. Yeah, the funny <laughs> ones I've heard is like they're all, you know, they're bad dancers, mm-hmm. or they're not cool, or they have like you know, or they're they're uptight. Yeah, they're like au- uptight or awkward. Yeah, awkward. Yeah, they're too reserved. There's too many like social rules around the way they which is kind of true of middle-class white people. I mean, there I are they get,
2: th- they get this one here because you go through the tabloids and all the sort of like awful child cruelty stories or fucking weird perverted stories do tend to be white people. And, uh,
1: okay. Well, I'm, I mean, whatever I'm, I'm already like beyond getting canceled, but I will say the only people <laughs> I've ever seen hit their kids in public were black people. So, well, I
2: don't oh, know. oh yeah. You know, they have, the, well, that's, you know, <laughs> they have their own uh areas of uh prolific criminality you know no doubt about it, but like
1: i have never seen a white person completely rail on their kid in public but i've absolutely seen a, a black people completely just smack the shit out of their kid in, in public on the street so you know yeah I've seen that. i don't know if you guys parent that way but <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually. No. No. yeah it's like taboo to even like
0: raise your voice <laughs> oh, is it? Is it really yeah, sort yeah. of i
1: mean well, you know it, if, if
2: it's if it's I'm like my way through the day no i don't
1: know. Yeah. well that's another thing this one friend made a joke with me once her daughter was like misbehaving her like three-year-old daughter and she's like you can look away with if you want but it's about to get really black up in here and she's like this girl is putting on the coat and i was like it's fine it's fine but she like threw her against the wall and put on the coat. It was like oh, the coat.
2: Yeah, is, yeah, yeah, the yeah. coat
1: is like getting on. Like there was not gonna be like a where it is, and they do make fun of this. It is funny to watch white parents be like, "Come on, do you want to? Do you want to put on the coat? Like, you wants a
2: little put on." <laughs> hey, do you shout at your kids? Like,
0: do I are shout at them? You affected
2: by lib parenting.
0: Uh, i don't shout at them but i i mean i i don't know they're pretty good kids i mean the oldest one is two and a half too so it's sort of like
1: uh behind shouting
2: age come on yeah (laughs) yeah
1: Uh, no you said you you said she got you put her in timeout or whatever sometimes yeah
0: yeah i mean yeah i don't know i mean i i will deal with the situation for sure i'm not just like okay okay sweetie can can you please not let stab me in the leg you know (laughs) my my wife
2: is convinced that this sort of like softly softly live parenting is breeding a generation of like pure monsters like if you ever (laughs) kid that a party the kids just run the house you know just say anything
0: no no one knows
2: how to discipline anyone at all
0: it is pretty crazy it well, is yeah, pretty crazy but is... i would say that even apply to like my generation if you grew up in like a kind of a more lib environment like that was kind yeah, of yeah i didn't my style. parents still beat me
1: but yes my lib my friends whose parents were more lib definitely there was more pervasive uh permissiveness for mm-hmm. sure I don't know. And that's what you think... always
0: heard about like the millennials being the
1: participation trophy generations and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember one time my mom like throwing a participation trophy across the room and getting a <laughs> and getting and there was like, a <laughs> hole yeah, in the wall. I don't even okay. Yeah, I don't even I don't even remember what she was mad about, but I totally like have a vivid memory of that. Um, I do think kids I will say this as someone who's been a teacher and stuff like I do think it's it is healthy for kids to be like a little scared of their parents like because there are kids there are kids who are like yeah call my mom or whatever when when it's
0: necessary you know don't do it like randomly or for like a some small thing but you know if something's like important and you want to make sure that you're instilling something yeah I mean I think it can be a
1: tool in the toolbox. Yeah, yeah. you know yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I You're think... talking about violence. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you do? I mean, you don't have to if you tell us if you want. KB, do you spank or anything oh, like that? Or... No, no, I don't. No, I'm just joking. none of that. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't.
2: I couldn't. I, I hurt spanking.
1: Child, spanking seems to be out of out of out of. It's really
2: like fucking way. seedy, is it? Like of all the. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Christ um yeah. i did just spend two days kind of uh single parenting as it were with a cold and uh my voice was kind of like in a state of being perpetually raised i just sort of like barked my way through the days you know i think i i think i'm usually uh more more softly spoken and tolerant than that but being a little a little so.
0: but yeah i mean that's the other thing too is like i feel like you need to teach kids more so to like think for themselves and make good decisions without someone like yelling at them or whatever you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like that's what and in you know like i yeah like and sometimes you need to go out and do some stupid shit and like learn it the hard way you know you you don't want to just totally beat any spirit of um independence or
1: you know whatever out of them I will say when I fostered, like, a severely autistic kid who was, like, nonverbal and, like, would, like, run into the street and stuff, I did feel like I never, of course, was violent with the child, but I did feel like I had to physically of course, yeah. force of course. the kid to, like, like, there wasn't an option to let go of my hand. And if you tried yeah. to let go of my hand, I was going to pick you up. Like, there, you know what I mean? Like, I did feel like for their own safety, I did have to, like... I couldn't do like the free with with a special needs kid. I I don't think you can do the free parenting. You know, you do have to like <laughs> kind of command their them their them physically, you know.
2: Yeah, it's the same. it's the same with like very young children, right? Because you got to yeah. them safe and you they'll, they'll they'll run into a car park, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Totally.
1: And that was and when i was fostering that kid that was the first time the social worker was like get a leash and i am um, i got one and i'll never judge another parent for it again because i'm like you never know like if a kid has serious yeah th-
0: there's a certain age like around two <laughs> or like a little bit maybe younger than two when they know how to run but they don't have no idea about anything else that's happening where they'll just like bolt in a into the middle of the street or something
1: yeah. yeah and i and that's i mean that's what i was dealing with i was dealing with a five-year-old who was probably more like a two-year-old in a mm-hmm. lot of ways so bigger even and i was mm-hmm. like you need to have so anyway i i after that I, I used to think that was so crazy but like after that i'm like these parents with the backpack leash thing like who knows they're doing it because they're they're trying to get through the day so <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to put the sun down on, an, on another day you know
0: all right. Q um, coming out as pro leashes for children.
2: <laughs> pro
1: <laughs> leashes for children. Sure. a little
2: bit more right-wing. I actually think the leash might be a lib. It looks a bit lib, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. It does out of do them, you got to just on yeah. the end of the string.
1: Yeah, as yeah, long they're as they're real... not wearing the puppy nose or whatever. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, furry kids are coming soon. <laughs> well, um, well Jen, yeah. should we should we start wrapping up? I think Yeah, okay. I got to I got to jump off here and tend to the young ones, but All right, KB, tell us again where we can find the article.
2: Uh it's in The Critic uh magazine and uh you can uh you know it's under under KB Goldtooth. And uh, it's my pinned tweet, you know, but there's no, there's no mushrooms in it and there's no tears. So I don't know. I don't know. I might disown it. it. I just wanted it for the mushroom and tears. No, but it is, it's a nice account of uh, Bridget's Bridget's story is in there. Bridget's story is very cool. So.
0: Yeah, it's a great read and I had a great time talking to you as always, KB. Pleasure, and, my uh, friends. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, yeah, good. Good to talk, guys. See you. We don't talk, talk enough. <laughs> yeah, good to talk to you all in the group
2: chat. <laughs> yeah. All right.